and welcome to the Body and Food Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston, trauma therapist and nutritionist. I'm the creator of the Body and Food Freedom Program, a women's group focused on helping women make peace with food and their bodies. I know firsthand how dieting, food restriction, and body shame can steal our joy and have us playing small in our own lives. But I also know the freedom and liberation that comes with breaking free from diet culture, making peace with food, and learning to respect our bodies. Follow along as I speak to you and my guest about intuitive eating, body image healing, mental health, and two of my favorite things, curiosity and compassion. If you want to connect with me, find me on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Preston underscore or my website, greenlifepsychology.com. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Body and Food Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Preston. I am so grateful that you've chosen to spend some time listening to this. And I always hope um, my content is helpful for you. So before we dive in for today's um, topic, I wanted to announce my newest offer. I am really excited to bring this to you. And if you know, if it speaks to you, if it resonates with you, please reach out um, via email. I'll include my email in the show notes if you have any questions or concerns or, you know, want help figuring out if this offer is a good fit for you and where you're at in your own kind of process with with um, healing your relationship to food specifically. Um, and so my newest offer is, drum roll, <laughs> um, it's called BFF intuitive eating edition. And so I've revamped my BFF program and how I offer them. And so BFF intuitive eating edition is really focused on helping you um, feel calmer with food in general. And so this program will help you shift from food anxiety and food stress to feeling more calm um, I want it to give you your headspace back. If you feel like your headspace is preoccupied so often with your body or your body size or what you're eating or what you should be eating or lots of guilt, all of that stuff, the thoughts, the emotions, I want this offer to be something that gives you your headspace back so you can really focus on what's actually important to you in your life. Um I want it to help you find satisfaction with food, um, like true satisfaction, not the moments where, you know, you might enjoy eating something for a moment and then it's quickly followed by guilt or that you shouldn't have had that. Um, and so, yeah, helping you find true satisfaction with food, really helping you shift out of chaos and stress with food to feeling more settled, more confidence, and just overall more peace. And so I will actually record a bonus episode um, that should come out next week, which will have more details about my BFF intuitive eating edition program. Um, but for now, what does the program look like? So it includes 10 modules. Um, so this is a self-paced program. 
And each module focuses on each principle of the intuitive eating framework. Um, it comes with video, it comes with exercises, and it comes with, they are so beautiful. I nerd out on this stuff, but um, each each module, each principle comes with its own um, workbook to help you stay organized and help you really integrate what you're learning. Um, it also comes with three bonus modules. And so one is a self-compassion video. Um, one is a video about a self-coaching model. This is based on really cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's just one of many, um, I suppose, models that can support you to feel like you can manage your thoughts and your thought patterns more effectively. Um, and then the last bonus module is actually about raising intuitive eaters. And so this is for, you know, if you care for any children in your life um, and you want to kind of, how do I pass down what I'm learning to them so that they don't grow up stuck in diet culture and hating their bodies and stressing about food and um, so there is a bonus module about that called Raising Intuitive Eaters. And then what else comes with this program is um, three monthly intensives. So month one, month two, and month three um, that are 90 minutes that are one-on-one -on -one with me. Um, and so if you're in a different time zone, if you're in a different country, I'm in Australia, um, we can definitely get those one-on-ones booked online um, in a safe and secure way and at a time that suits me and you, depending again on your time zone. Um, so there's lots that come with BFF Intuitive Eating Edition. And it's really, again, about helping you, um, helping you shift from that food stress and anxiety to really feeling much calmer, more peace. You know, um, for me, personally and really intuitive eating looks different for everybody that's why I've included the one-on-one -on -one sessions with me because I want to support you to customize it um but for me the intuitive eating framework is what helped me stop binge eating and it helped me so much with emotional eating you know I was definitely um I, I, I was definitely one who found myself at night kind of raiding the cupboard and um, so intuitive eating really helped me in my life. Um, if that wasn't true, then I wouldn't be creating a program to help share it. Um, but the the last thing I'll say about this um, is this course is actually quite unique because there I've collaborated with um, I think five other professionals who are experts in the non-diet space. And so it's multidisciplinary. You know, we have nutritionists, we have intuitive eating and body image coaches, we have me as a therapist, um, we have personal trainers. And so each module is taught um, by one of us. And so you're really getting this beautiful kind of collaborative approach where you're learning um, from different experts and then getting that one-on-one -on -one time with me. And so I've I'm just really excited to put this out there. Um, so again, my email will be in the show notes. There will also be a link where you can find more information about this course and where you can go ahead and purchase and sign up and get started. 
Um, and so for today, I wanted to chat about restriction and it's really building on the previous podcast episode if you haven't listened to that. Um, but what I hope you get from today is really thinking through reflecting and considering where are you restricting and how is it sabotaging your relationship with food and your eating behaviors? Um, so let's start with what does restriction even mean? And so really, I often say this on this podcast, but what I'm finding is women in general don't identify with the the word dieting anymore because often, you know, we think we're not dieting if we're not doing something that has a formal name. So we're kind of going, well, I'm not doing keto. I'm not doing paleo. I'm not doing, um, you know, I know Weight Watchers changed their name, but whatever. I'm not doing something like that. So therefore I'm not dieting. And that's just not necessarily the full picture. Um, so often when we dig deeper into, okay, what's going on in this food area for you? we will often find that there's mental and physical restriction going on. Um, and I'm going to break down what is mental restriction? What is physical restriction? Um, but in general, examples of physical restriction is things like counting calories, counting carbs, counting macros, um, maybe tracking through an app, maybe using all kinds of ways to, you know, trick your hunger with chewing gum or tea or trying to engage in intermittent fasting and then feeling bad when you overeat later. Um, it might be restricting a particular food group. Um, you know that kind of the popular thing to do now is really cut out or significantly cut down on carbs, which is really sad because we need that. We really do need that for our bodies. Um, or you know, labeling and trying to cut down on sugary sweet treats. So these are all places where um, that restriction can pop up. And, you know, one of the things that I wish more people knew was what are the consequences of restriction and dieting? And one is really that it can be a gateway into developing disordered eating or an eating disorder um, and some of us might be struggling with disordered eating and not even realize it because it can be so normalized in our culture and our society. But a really quick, I'm going to rattle these off, um, but a really quick summary of what are the consequences of restriction and dieting. And here are a few things. One is it slows the rate at which your body burns calories. It increases your body's efficacy at wringing every possible calorie out of the food you do eat. So when you digest food, you digest it faster and you get hungrier quicker. It can cause you to crave high fat and high sugar foods. Your appetite can increase. Your energy can be reduced. Your body temperature can be um, lowered. Um, and really it can reduce your ability to even feel your hunger and fullness. And so it makes it easier to mistake, um, to confuse hunger with emotional needs. Uh, and, you know, one thing that I consistently find is women that I end up working with, they often actually have to really relearn how to tune back into their bodies and actually feel their hunger and fullness because years and years and years of restriction and dieting 
um, have has had that impact where it's reduced our ability to tune in um, effectively to even know what's going on with our bodies. Um, it can also reduce your total amount of muscle tissue and it can increase fat storage enzymes and decreases fat release enzymes. And so really one of the things that I often say in lots of my content is if you think you keep failing at diets, um, it's not necessarily about, you know, the way I see women label themselves as being lazy or lacking willpower. It's not that it's that diets are designed to fail. So we're a repeat customers, so to speak. Um, and, and our bodies really do fight back against that. And that's where we see things like rebellious eating, um, eating past fullness, binge eating, emotional eating. And so let's, let's talk about like what restriction is. And really it means that we aren't listening to our body cues. Um, we are trusting our body cues. And this is something that we aim to repair in the intuitive eating framework and in the in the offer that I've talked to you about um, earlier. Physical restriction, this is generally what people think of, right? Like this is where there's clear food rules, there's self-imposed guidelines about what foods you should and shouldn't eat, when you should eat them, how much, and under which conditions. Um, so for example, a physical restriction might be, I'm not allowed to eat bread, right? Or I s limit what I'm allowed to eat. And this is, you know, one of the things that I consistently see in my practice is women will say, yeah, but I'm not doing that. I'm not restricting. I don't have those food rules. I do eat carbs. My problem is I eat too much, right? Or my problem is I'm in the pantry at night overeating or binging. Or my problem is I feel chaos and stress and out of control with food. So I'm eating all the foods, Vanessa. So then why am I still feeling, you know, why is that still happening? And part of why that is, is there's likely mental restriction going on that you might not be completely aware of. Again, this is work that we do together in, in my newest course, right? So mental restriction is really restrictive thoughts and judgment about what you're eating. So this is having certain thoughts and beliefs. Um, you know, for me, I've talked about this example before, but I had this kind of light bulb moment really far into my intuitive eating um, process where I realized that there was this mental restriction on bananas. Um, I have I have done all the things and I went through, you know, a period of trying keto and fasting and it was absolutely it was a disaster. Um, but I realized a mental restriction thing that I didn't realize was there is I'm not allowed to eat one full banana. I have to eat half because it had become just this habit of, well, there's too much sugar in that. Um, or, you know, maybe having a capsicum slash red pepper, um, instead of a bun and, you know, or we are eating the thing, maybe we're eating a sweet, but, Again, we have thoughts and judgment about it. I shouldn't be eating this. Um, and I'm going to give you some examples of what mental restriction sounds like. But one of the consequences of mental restriction is we're not fully leaning into the permission to feel satisfied with food. And when we're lacking that satisfaction, it will usually leave us kind of wanting more um, or eating more because we're not valuing any sort of satisfaction or pleasure 
with food. Um, I remember, you know, I, I remember I used to have, and I'm not, when I talk, I think if you're a regular listener of my podcast, you know, I am never, ever judging someone. Um, so if you like something like Halo Top ice cream, I used to have that. Um, then I'm not like, there's no hate for me if you truly feel satisfied by that. But for me, I remember kind of having that and it did not satisfy me. It was chalky. Um, I just didn't enjoy it. But I was convincing myself that I did because it was this you know, lower calorie option. Um, whereas the truth, the truth was when I really tuned into my body, I wasn't satisfied. And also the sugar alcohol in it really hurt my stomach um, and led to bloating and, and it just didn't feel nice for my body. And so that's an example of restriction was leading me to eat this, the, the Halo Top ice cream. But when I leaned into the intuitive eating framework, it's like I can tune in and actually feel into myself and my body. Is this, does this feel, does this feel good for my body? Do I feel satisfied by this? Um, and these thoughts about food and this judgment and all of these food roles, it really can spiral into guilt and shame and anxiety and honestly, even depression. And because we get stuck reinforcing to ourselves that we can't be trusted around food, that we're lacking willpower, that we're lazy, that we're bad, you know, promises to not do the thing again. And really under it is this belief that, you know, there are good and bad foods. Um, something I often say is there is a nutritional value difference with food, but there is no moral value. Um, eating an apple doesn't make you a good person. Eating a donut doesn't make you a bad person. But psychologically, that's what I see getting um, stirred up is the shame where, you know, we judge ourselves for what we're eating. So mental restriction can sound like I shouldn't be eating this. I was so bad yesterday. I was so bad last night. Um, I've really blown it. So I might as well go hard or go home. Um even some thoughts about moderation can stem from a restrictive mindset. Um, and what I wanted to share with you is, I might not say her surname correctly, but her name's Kara um, Kivelli. It's C-I-F-E-L-L-I. And I actually stumbled across her work. And so she's a health coach and I don't know like if this is, you know, what I'm about to share, I don't know if this is found other places too, but this is where I found it was her work. Um, she spoke about it on a podcast. So I will cite this source. Um, I'll include her website. And um, yeah, so I'll include a website if you want to check anything out, but that will be sourced in my show notes. But what she did that I found really helpful is we talk, we've talked on this podcast about different types of restriction, but I really like how she organized it into like five categories of restriction. I just think it's brilliant work that she's done. And I wanted to share those five that I learned through listening to her. And so one is what we talked about, physical restriction. So this is where you're reducing intake in some ways. Um, that's pretty self-explanatory. I think we've talked about that enough. Number two is planning restriction in the future. 
And this is where last episode, we talked about the last supper syndrome. This is that, um, where we plan to restrict in the future, whether it's in the new year or the new month or on Monday or after, you know, I, I just have to get through all of these social events or I have my friend's wedding and then I have this holiday. So after all of this, I plan to restrict. And what happens is it's this kind of what I see happen anyway, is this like hurry up and eat all my favorite foods because I can't have them later. And so it kind of turns into this last supper syndrome, which again, I explained on last episode. So again, number two is planning restriction in the future. This is a type of restriction I see all the time. Number three is a really big one. And because I specialize in working with people with trauma and complex trauma, I see this one all the time. So number three is emotional um, or trauma. And this is where we use, you know, we're using food to avoid our emotions, to numb our emotions, to try to regulate our nervous systems. Um, and, you know, something I see when I'm exploring with someone, their food story and a bit of their body image story is that they may have grown up in a place, in an environment, in a family of origin where it wasn't safe to express themselves. It wasn't safe to share their emotions. Maybe that wasn't modeled. Maybe there were parents that actually relied on you for emotional support. So you kind of cope by just really suppressing your emotions. And so what I see happen is food becomes this kind of safety in a way, because when you're feeling that sadness, when you're feeling confusion, when you felt anger, when you felt frustration, when you felt shame, when you felt overwhelmed, when you felt high stress, you reach for food to deal with those emotions or deal with what's going on with your nervous system. And this, so this is a really big one is emotional and trauma. And what I see too is like, which actually I'll talk about in the next. So number four, um, this category, you know, this type of restriction is um, restricting pleasure. And this means really across the board. So you might physically eat, but mentally you're not okay with what you're eating. So you may allow yourself to eat fast food, for example, or sweets or cakes. You might allow yourself to eat that stuff, but mentally, again, you're not okay with it. There's judgment. It's bad. Maybe there, maybe there's anxiety about what the food will do to your body or your health. And the other thing I see, which is this type of restriction, is really restricting pleasure and joy across the board. I see this with women. of They're not even giving themselves permission to enjoy their lives. They feel guilty if they engage in anything that's pleasurable or that might be valuable self-care. Um, I also see this come up when there's body hatred or body shame or body discomfort is, again, we withhold joyful experiences from ourselves. So we might feel safest, really kind of hiding from the world on the couch, you know, binge watching Netflix or staying in our rooms. You know, there's, there's often this isolation. We're not potentially allowing ourselves to engage in meaningful relationships or kind of fully show up in our lives in the way that we, we want to. 
um, we might be in a relationship where we're withholding kind of this playful side of us or withholding maybe affection or intimacy, again, often stemming to a level of body discomfort or body shame. And so this number four is a big one too of restricting pleasure, restricting pleasure and satisfaction, A, with food, but B, across other areas of your life too. And then number five is food scarcity or poverty. And so if you, if, if someone can't afford access to food um, or access to a variety of food, then it's really common once they have some limited access, they will, you know, overeat, eat past fullness. And, you know, when I was thinking about this, one of the things that I used to do earlier in my career was work more with children And some of the children that I worked with were in foster care, for example. And so often a child transitioning from the home environment into a foster care placement, um, this would show up where they're hiding food or, you know, they have a real preoccupation with food or again, they're eating and eating and eating. And this is possibly what sits under that is they've experienced food scarcity and, and poverty. And so, you know, those are the five categories that I learned through, through again, it's funny because Americans say Kara, um, which is what I grew up saying, but Australians say Kara. And so I've kind of have this habit now of saying Kara, but I think, I think she would pronounce it as Kara. Um, but yeah, these, these five categories that, um, of restriction and, really the thing is we're not designed for long-term restriction and that's a good thing. This, this comes from a survival place. Our body is driven towards food because without it, we die. And so some, some people may have experiences of, well, they have dieted and they have restricted, but, but when you really dive into it, it's been a short term and then normally they can go, okay, and this is where I stopped doing that. And part of that's because they're fighting their biology um, and and all of these body changes that happen to get you to get out of this restricted place. The body can um, can perceive a certain restriction as almost like a famine. And so again, from a survival place, it's going to make foods look more appealing. It's going to drive you to eat, to store food. And so, um, yeah, it's it's just not sustainable for the majority of the population. And what I find is when we do kind of fall out of that dieting or restrictive place, um, we we reinforce these beliefs that we have about ourselves that I'm not enough or I'm a failure or I'm worthless. And really, um, sorry, just a second. I'm trying to like juggle my my notes. And, you know, people will think that like the part of them that might overeat or emotional eat or binge eat is bad. Um, And they're kind of going, yeah, but I want that part. I want that to stop. And really what has to stop first is a let's get curious about where restriction is showing up and B, let's get curious about how you're managing your emotional needs and really some of your nervous system. Um. And so this is just such an important part of this work is really looking at your mindset 
And to me, that part that, again, overeats, binge eats, uh, you know, makes food more appealing to where we're eventually, again, searching through the cupboard um, is that is the life saving part of us making sure we're getting enough. And again, it's rooted in our um, innate desire and need to survive and our evolution. And so it's 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 interesting because the body does respond the same way to physical restriction as it does to mental restriction, which is why when women say, but I'm not physically restricting, then my next kind of curiosity is where is their mental restriction? What are we doing to manage emotions? Is there trauma that, you know, needs processed? Um, and so I'm just curious, like, as I'm explaining this, if any of it resonates for you at all. Um, for me, the scariest part of intuitive eating was this idea of like unconditional permission to eat. I was seriously scared. And I see this fear come up for other women of, you don't understand, I'm going to lose all control. And it's not really what happens. Like, the more you're kind of going through this process with support, I think you're developing awareness of your thoughts, of your feelings, you're kind of slowly reinviting foods back in at a pace that feels safe for you. And part of what's going on is your brain and your body starts to understand, okay, this food is available unless there is a real food scarcity um, issue going on. But otherwise, it's kind of teaching your brain and body that, yeah, there's food available. The, there's It gets rid of the like the forbidden nature of particular foods. And part of when we like, label and forbid certain foods, then often we're more drawn to it and attracted to it. And often it's the foods that we do end up overeating when we do have access to them. And so it's kind of this process. And again, I I found for myself, I had to actually live this and practice it and see it for myself um, of, okay, inviting foods back into the house Um actually led to feeling more in control. It's this curious paradox that happens, but it makes sense when you learn more about the brain and the body and like the scarcity thing that can happen. Um, and so some of what we've talked about today is what is taught in the intuitive eating program. And it the the program will give you a chance to unpack this and um, really like give you extra support around doing this process. Um, if you've, and I don't know if you've listened to me for a little while, if you have a little voice that's wanting to try something different, I, it, I do invite you to step forward to check out the link in the bio or to email me and start this process of relating to food differently. Um, and yeah, so if we kind of sum up what we've talked about a little bit today is restriction includes mental restriction. It has a lot to do with our emotions and thoughts. Um, this work, I think can be really challenging to do by yourself, you know, listening to a podcast or listening to, you know, or maybe reading the book that that's great. And really great resources. But I find that doing this process where you have support and you have a safe space to unpack 
what's happening for you and you have a safe space to really customize what this looks like for you. Um, because what I find is everybody's just a bit different. You know, some people are kind of coming from a history of chronic dieting. Some people might be in recovery from an eating disorder. Some people do have trauma. Some people do have just different experiences with emotions. And so I really think having this program and then this one-on-one space with me, um, I invite you to, again, step forward. Um, Otherwise, until then, I would leave you with get really curious. Get really curious about where is restriction possibly coming up for you and kind of viewing this as information gathering for a little while. Um, because that curiosity will open a space for you to increase awareness and then start to make changes at a pace that might feel a little bit challenging, but also feel safe for you. So thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode has been helpful and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And I hope today's episode was helpful. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and take a second to give me a five-star review on iTunes. That helps get this message out to women who need it. You can find me on Instagram at Vanessa underscore Preston underscore. You can click in the link in the bio for more details about my program and my freebies. You can also find me at greenlifepsychology.com and I'm on Facebook at Vanessa Preston GLP. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.